0: Hour two. This is Sportsnet today. Here on Sportsnet 960, the fans Logan Gordon along with you. Current July from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems Downtown Studios here in Calgary, Alberta. For Doug Lacey's Basement Systems, cracked foundation, Boeing foundation walls, we have a simple, permanent solution to stabilize your foundation. Contact Basement Systems. They're all things basementy. Visit DL Basement Systems. Dot com it was a busy hour, one of the program, getting all things Stanley Cup final now that it's set for Saturday in Vegas, Golden Knights and the Panthers, also talking about some of the NHL head coaching news that's happened today, Spencer Carberry, your new head coach of the Washington Capitals, and the Nashville Predators expected to part ways with John Hines to make way for Andrew Brunette to be their next head coach. So lots to watch for, of course, uh, around the league, including when we might get news on a new Flames head coach. But uh, for now, we'll uh, we'll park that conversation. we got lots to get to in an hour or two, including a stamps report. Uh, Stampeders and BC Lions meet up for their second preseason game on Thursday before the CFL's regular season gets going in about two weeks' time. We'll also chat with Matt Marchese from Sportsnet 590, the fan. In Toronto, all things NHL and NHL playoffs. But uh, very excited right now uh, to welcome back a weekly feature here on Sportsnet today. Uh, it's time for the WPCA Insiders Report. It's brought to you by the World Professional Chuck Wagon Association. Racing to the Century Downs Racetrack and Casino World Finals, August 23rd to 27th. Get your tickets now at showpass.com. And the WPCA schedule officially kicks off tomorrow in Grand Prairie with the Grand Prairie Stompede, and uh, today on the WPCA Insiders Report, very happy to go down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline and welcome in one of the most successful drivers uh, in last season's uh, WPCA standings. It was uh, Lane McGilvery who joins us this afternoon. Lane, thanks so much for doing this today, sir. How are you?
2: I'm good. How are you? Thank we're doing
0: <laughs> we're great. Thanks for, uh, for coming on today. Uh, excitement level, are you getting up to Grand Prairie for tomorrow's action?
2: For sure, yeah. We uh, we rolled into town up here on uh, Saturday and uh, settled the horses in for all day Sunday, and then we've hooked a few here uh, Monday and Tuesday and to get them prepared for uh, tomorrow night.
0: Uh, what's the excitement level like for you guys? It's been a long off season, obviously, and uh, excited to get back at it starting tomorrow.
2: Yeah, you betcha. Yeah, no, it's it's always exciting the the first show of the year. You know, it's everyone's excited to be back at it and. And I uh, get the horses out doing what they love. so And, and us doing what we love as well.
0: Absolutely. Uh, Lane, talk to me about your season last year. It was uh, incredible. I know you won the Battle of the North, Richard Cosgrave Award uh, Memorial for Symbolic of the Calgary Stampede Safety and Aggregate Champion. Uh, you had a horse named to the Calgary Stampede Equine Athlete of Excellence. Uh, just an overall great year for you in 2022. How do you look back on all the success you guys were able to have last season?
2: Yeah, for sure. It was, it was an excellent year for sure. And, and, uh, you know, yeah, it just things started to come together kind of midway through the season and, and uh, yeah, they, the horses stayed strong and, and everything worked out for us.
0: Uh, Lynn, you've been at this for a long, a long time now. It's become a family affair, obviously with your, your father doing it as well. And now your son into it. Just talk to us a bit about how cool it is for you to be part of a really generation of, of outriders and chuck wagon drivers as well.
2: Yeah, I mean that's that's a huge part of our of our sport for sure. Is the family atmosphere, and uh, it means a lot to me to you know be able to to carry on the name and and to have our son you know following in the footsteps as well for sure. You know it's uh, it's a costly venture, unfortunately, for for him to be able to get into and you know when he is ready to take the step from out riding to driving. So you know, the, the, but we'll cross that bridge, I guess, when we when we get to that and because uh, he's definitely taken a liking to the driving side as well so <laughs> so yeah it's uh but it's good it's it, uh, you know like i say the, the sport is the family atmosphere of the sport is is what makes it so you know so enjoyable to, to do and and uh be a part of
0: does it take you back to sort of the same experience you had with your dad when you sort of started getting into the driving side of it yourself
2: yeah, for sure. Uh unfortunately my dad had a heart attack and a stroke in, in uh winter of two thousand and he was only fifty three years old at the time. I mean he and he's still, you know, he's everything's good today, but yeah. But that the the stroke definitely took took effect and, and it chased him uh, chased him out of the out of the sport. But mm-hmm. that's kinda when I got going on to the driving side. So
0: Uh like I said, Lynn, you've been at this for, for a long time now. You started out as an outrider and Uh, you've got two stampede uh, rangeland derby championships under your belt but i guess just uh, overall how much has the sport changed in your mind over the last couple of years i know whether it's safety regulations or you know just different things around the the atmosphere when it comes to to rodeo and chuck wagons how much has it changed when you look back to to when you started in the business
2: yeah it's definitely changed for sure you know uh you know some of the safety stuff that that was implemented here last year is definitely a change from it and you know, when we, went, when we went from four outriders down to two, I think that was back in 2011 or 12 or something like that. But, you know, that was definitely a big change for us as well. But, you know, you you, you have to adjust and, and, you know, as long as the, the sport's still thriving and, and there's still people there to watch it and, and enjoy it, that's, that's the biggest thing. So... And uh, yeah, we, we enjoy doing it. So <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm always curious
0: what it looks like uh, from uh, your your stables point of view when you get into uh, a, a time like this, where you're about to get into the busy season and all the work that you've put the last couple of months to get ready for this. And I, I'm sure the excitement levels there for you guys, but also from you know the equine point of view, how much work's gone into it for you guys to get your horses ready for this busy stretch during the summertime.
2: Yeah, it's, it is a very busy time, you know, most guys will start anywhere, you know, around the 1st of April, between the 1st and 15th, somewhere in there, wherever your weather permits you to, to get going, and and uh, there is a lot of work involved, and, you know, most guys have, you know, anywhere from 4 to probably 10 new horses that they're working with, so it's pretty enjoyable, actually, just watching how those new horses, you know, take to the sport, and, and how much they advance, and you know, one horse, he takes to it right away and the next one you got to work with a little bit longer to, you know, to get them comfortable and, and uh, to the uh, level that you want them at, I guess. So it's, uh, that's a pretty neat part of our of our spring for sure, you know, and then, then getting the, the veterans back in and, and conditioning them too. So it's, it's a pretty enjoyable time in the spring for sure, and uh, when you when you see them progress through the summer, uh, it's uh, yeah, it's pretty re- rewarding. Actually, to tell you the truth.
0: Yeah, uh, Lane. For anybody listening who maybe isn't as familiar with the back-end organization that goes into it, how big is your is your stable of horses? How many people do you have? You know, going into a race like this weekend in Grand Prairie, how much of you know people and time is put into a, just an event like this coming up for you guys?
2: So, yeah, we got uh, 22 horses with us up here at Grand Prairie. We'll probably cut that down to 20 after a couple shows here. But uh, And then as far as people, we we have uh, my family, which my wife and son and daughter both help us out. And then uh, we've got the hired girl, which is also my son's girlfriend. So, <laughs> she, yeah, she's hired on with us this year and, and doing a very good job for us. And, and, then, and then I got a good buddy of mine that... From the Okotoks area, that's uh, that come up with us here this weekend as well. So we got we we've got a very good crew of people that that come in and out and and uh, help us out when they can and and it sure makes it uh, makes it good for us for sure. So
0: and I imagine you get to be pretty close with everybody, and you get a real you mentioned it's already a family affair for you guys, but you get everybody real close and together when you you're together for so long and doing all this work in the busy season.
2: Yeah, for sure. For sure. It's, uh, it makes it enjoyable for sure. Yeah.
0: Uh, so, Lane, this ends, uh, the Grand Prairie Stampede ends on the 4th, and then you go into Bonneville on the 8th. Will you guys get ahead of any time at home, or will you be going straight from Grand Prairie into Bonneville?
2: No, uh, for Bonneville, we're going to go straight from, from here to Bonneville, and then we're going to travel home after Bonneville, and uh, we'll I'm actually going to leave some horses home from the next little show at Dewberry and and uh, give them a little bit of a break. Some of the main ones, and we'll mm-hmm. we'll take some of the younger ones and head up to that show. Because after we leave uh, home after Dewberry, the horses won't see home again until after Century Downs in, in August. So. So it's uh, gonna be you know a long stretch for them away from home, but they they settle in well on the road too. Once you know our our portable barns that we use on the on the road, they they settle into them well. So it's it kind of becomes more more home for them as well. So it's uh, it, it's good. They'll they'll be fine. So yeah, but it's nicer for us when we get to go home for a little bit if we can.
0: <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, I was just talking about the horses being away from home. That also means the yeah. drivers and everybody else are away from home for a long time too,
2: eh? yeah for sure but no it's it's part of the game so just the way our our uh season fell this year and and uh, with the the schedule our travel it just makes it more makes more sense to just keep everyone on the road so that's yeah. what we'll do
0: yeah uh lane really appreciate the time thanks so much for hopping on with us today best of luck uh this weekend in grand prairie and as the season goes on best of luck to you and your crew hey
2: for sure yeah no i just would like to add you know want to thank everyone you know the the committees and and our sponsors and and the fans that, that keep watching and and everyone that stays involved in the sport for sure you know we we got a long schedule this summer and and uh, leading up to the century downs finals that hopefully that'll be the closest one to calgary so hopefully we can get to see a lot of people out for for that one and and finish the season off right so
0: absolutely lane thanks so much again for doing this today take care Hey.
2: You betcha. Thanks for having me on. Cheers. Thank it. you.
0: Lane McGilvery joining us for the uh, WPCA Insiders Report this week. It's brought to you by the World Professional Chuck Wagon Association. Racing to the Century Downs Racetrack and Casino World Finals, August 23rd to 27th. You can get your tickets now at showpass.com. And, yes, the Grand Prairie Stompede, the first stop on the WPCA uh, racing track this year. We'll head into Bonneville, uh, kicking up on June 8th. You can get the full schedule at WPCA.com, but uh, if you're going to be around Alberta, make sure you check out some of these different events. There, We mentioned a couple with Lane, but there's so many more on the list. Grand Prairie, Bonneville, Dewberry, Medicine Hat has their exhibition and Stampede coming up in June. Pinocchio Stampede's a huge one. It's not just, obviously, Stampede and, and the Cowboys Rangeland Derby during July is huge, but... There's the Battle of the Foothills and High River. There's Strathmore Stampede. Uh, all of this leading down to the Century Downs World Chuck Wagon Finals uh, at Century Downs Racetrack and Casino in August. But make sure you get out and check these guys out at some point if you're out and about traveling. Uh, it was just checking out the website for the Grand Prairie Stompede. Um, obviously, the rodeo and the chucks are a big thing there, but they've got a midway going. Uh, they've got different games and events. They've got Lindsay L going to the beer gardens one night. Uh, So an absolutely great time to get out and, you know, pretty much smaller versions of the Calgary Stampede. And uh, that's the best way to go out and support these great men and women uh, in the Chuck wagon association and all the work that they put in through the year. You just heard from Lane. Um, They'll get a little bit of time back in Halkirk for a, a couple of days in between races as they drop off some horses and work their way around. But if you check out that WPCA schedule, when you talk about traveling, taking 20 horses, People, equipment, all that sort of stuff, race to race throughout Alberta this summer. Very few days at home for guys like Lane and the rest of these drivers. So very happy that we're bringing you the WPCA Insider Report here on Sportsnet today. Uh, We'll do this every Tuesday throughout the summer, get you caught up uh, once the races get going with some results. We'll check in with different drivers, some of the outriders as we go through this busy summer schedule. And like we said, if you happen to be in the Grand Prairie area and you want to check out the Grand Prairie Stompede, it officially starts tomorrow. Uh, their website, com. They have all their information on the 2023 event and uh, where you can get tickets. They are available online. So that should be uh, good to go sooner than later here uh, for the uh, WPCA Insider Report. Thank you again to uh, Lane McGilvery for joining us this afternoon. Uh, we'll get to a Stamps Report coming up in just moments here. Uh, with Matt Rose uh, as we get set for the Stampeders and the BC Lions, their second preseason. <laughs> I'll have to i share this with you live because uh, it's the only way I can do this. You always worry on Twitter and different things about getting, like, ratioed or being, like, radioed and all these sort of things. Um, <laughs> and this is exactly what happened. This is exactly what I didn't want to happen. And I, I was clear about this. Whoever is out there doing this to me, don't you dare! I've got Julian. I got all these people texting me. All of a sudden, oh, you're an insider in Pittsburgh talking about Dubis news. No, 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 no. If you were here last segment, I'll pull it out of the pot. I swear to God, I'll do it.
3: Logan is breaking news. No, no, no. He is now a Pittsburgh Penguins insider. He has moved on. Shut your mouth. He's now in the Pittsburgh
1: Penguins media. Oh
0: my god. I've got this all of a sudden you've got uh, this, uh, these random Twitter accounts are tweeting me and someone's going uh, fan. 960 Logan's reporting that Kyle Dubas is the next GM in Pittsburgh. I'm sorry. What? No, I'm not. That's the if last you, thing I said.
4: If you listen to the segment, I believe we lead it off with, I'm not an insider. I'm not breaking this news. I'm just, I'm going off
0: from the Pittsburgh Penguins radio host. That says...
1: A.K.A. Logan Gordon.
0: Shut up. Stop it right now. It says on there, expecting Dubis news at 3 o'clock. So I said, okay, well, if they're expecting news, I said, I'm just passing this along. Someone in Pittsburgh who has a much better view and understanding of that team than I do, I'm passing it along that someone in Pittsburgh is expecting some Kyle Dubis news to drop sometime this afternoon. All of a sudden, my Twitter account becomes Fan960Logan is reporting that Kyle Dubis is the next GM of the Pittsburgh Penguins. <laughs> and I have all these random Twitter accounts being like, can you confirm this? Where did you say this? Has this broken yet? Is this official yet? No! Of course, none of that! Stop it right now! I don't need people texting. I can't have Julian McKenzie (laughs) and other NHL people texting me right now that I've got news in Pittsburgh because I don't. I don't have news on me, people. Don't act like I have news on Pittsburgh. Oh, my God.
4: There's nothing breaking. Yes. We're not going to say if anything's going to happen because we don't know. But what we are going to do, it's the beauty of live radio.
1: Don't.
0: Oh my God! If God. we're
4: hearing about stuff, we're gonna you yeah. Know, if I see it, I'm gonna, gonna pass up.
0: it along to you, right? That's we the were talking it. coaching news. I thought, oh, if there's dubious news, people might want to hear that. And I brought it up because it's a ver, it's whatever the verified is on Twitter, but it's from the account that does Pittsburgh Penguins radio games. So that's why I thought, okay, I can bring this up.
5: Nine dollars a month.
0: This makes sense. Don't, don't spin this on me. I got a, a guy on Twitter named Waffles <laughs> being no, like, oh, what did you say on air about Dubis?" I no didn't say here. anything. Don't start this. This is my worst nightmare is turning on my phone and having 4,000 notifications that I quote unquote broke news about something that I have nothing to do with. That's I not will never that- pass information along. On this format again, if this happens to me, I swear to God, (laughs) I'll never do it again. That's going to break him. Unless it's triple verified by Friedman, Sarah Valley, and LeBron, I'm not going to bring any news up on here, apparently, because this is my worst nightmare. (laughs) The last thing I need is legitimate Twitter accounts picking up on these things and just bringing me to a standstill
3: me when i purposefully circulate misinformation
0: and i wish i could (laughs) like i honestly i wish i could be one of those guys that doesn't know anything but like tweets out like i do because there's a thousand twitter accounts like that you should have the word sources
4: in front of your oh yeah
0: sources say that uh that uh sydney crosby is gonna be this and that you know i'm not i don't pretend to be that I don't come to you guys as insider guy or anything like that.
4: That's not what we're here to do. That's well, if there's news to do. break,
0: I'll break. I don't have news. Oh, we're just God. reporting
1: on the speculations.
0: There's people retweeting it and all this. And like, it's just, I, it's just my biggest nightmare. I can't, I can't ever possibly imagine what would happen. If so, I'm going to be very clear. We're going to get to the stamps report here. I know it's what you people want to hear But Don't for a second think that I'm reporting Kyle Dubas news because I am not I will reference you the tweet like I did To the waffles and everybody else on Twitter
5: Why are people in Pittsburgh Listening to us so closely
0: They're not listening to me It's uh, I'm assuming that they're, they're Just checking out like Pittsburgh hashtags And stuff yeah. And anything that comes up with Dubis or something I don't know My head hurts so, don't do this to me. I don't have the, I don't have the fortitude to deal with that tweet. <laughs> fake news. Thirteen hundred views on yeah. that tweet already. This is gonna be a long day. This Anyways, it's enough of this. It's time for the stamps
5: report. Uh, here's our pal Maddie Rose. The Stampeders had their final practice of training camp Tuesday morning. The whole group certainly had some energy as they came off the practice field and into the locker room for one final time before their final roster is decided. But first, their final preseason game in BC Thursday night. The team has to have their roster set by 8 o'clock Mountain Time Saturday night with three other preseason games going this week, all of them on Thursday or Friday. Rosters won't be confirmed until later Wednesday morning for the preseason game, but the head coach is planning on taking it easy with some of his veterans.
1: Well, we're going to back off on uh, a lot of the vets, but you know, what's a vet? Two year guy or five, ten year guy? Two year guy, if the job's open competition, um, more likely, uh, if I feel you have fresh enough legs, I'm bringing you. I uh, still got, I'll have 60 plus guys, but certainly going to leave some guys at home and, and see how we do
5: starting positions are up for grabs but some are locked and loaded as well on the defense. I don't think I'm speaking out of turn by saying Julian Houseair, Derek Wigan, Mike Rose and James Vodders will start on the defensive line but they got several options to spell their starters or deal with injuries if they arise TJ Ram looks poised for a big year same with Isaac adiami Berglund, both with national designations Romeo McKnight and Terrell McLean have both returned as well at linebacker Cam Judge will start the will position. Middle linebacker will be a spot to watch during Thursday's preseason game. Micah Alway probably has the inside track, but the team has a choice to make for their starter there, especially after they brought in veteran Jordan Herdman-Reed and they've got a couple of injuries to Perry Young and Silas Stewart as well. At Sam, Titus Wall looks to be their guy. He was excellent in that spot until injury derailed the second half of his 2022 rookie campaign. Trey Roberson, John Moxie, and Brandon Dozier are all proven veterans in that secondary as well. Then they have players like Brad Muhammad, Natrell Jamerson, and Kobe Williams, who have all showed that they can play the part but do any rookies factor into this decision?
1: Yeah I won't be surprised if some rookies make our team and potentially start. That's how good I think they are but let's let the, the play dictate that and uh, I believe our guys will compete and go after it.
5: Perhaps a Dyshawn McNary fills in. Big opportunity for those rookies who will get lots of reps on Thursday to prove that they belong in that Stampeder secondary. Mentioned Trey Roberson. Doubt that he plays in their game Thursday, but go ahead and write him down as the starting boundary corner for week one against BC at McMahon. And use pen if you'd like. This will be the fifth season as a Stampeder for the 30-year-old Roberson, although he's only played eight games over the last two years. In 2021, he came up late from the NFL. Then in 2022, it was injuries that derailed his season. Our Patty Dumas caught up with Trey after the final practice on
6: Tuesday.
4: Uh, tough 2022 for you with the injuries. How excited are you for a fresh slate here in 2023?
6: Oh, man, I'm, I'm really excited. I'm just excited to be able to move around pain-free. I've been, I've been having a lot of pain for, for the last couple of years, specifically in my right knee. So being able to get everything cleaned up, stitched up, you know, the meniscus laid down and everything in place and everything moving and functioning very well, I mean, it's just exciting for myself to be able to, to just be able to play pain-free.
4: Across the secondary, there's a lot of vets, Jonathan Moxie, Brandon Dozier, Nick Taylor, the new addition. How are you liking the secondary across the board? It's got to be a pretty good, pretty strong suit on this defense here.
6: Oh, yeah, definitely, man. Those guys were able to get a lot of experience in the last couple years, being able to play different you know, different positions, being able to, to see different scenarios and stuff like that. So that's just only going to make us better. Uh, We've got a good group out there, but we won't, we won't find out until, until game one, until the live bullets get to go on, and we're going to see which type of group we are for the year.
4: Dave mentioned he's working with the defense more this year. How's it like having a former quarterback evaluating what you guys do?
6: Oh, it's good man he sits in the back of the room and he's able to tell us answers that that the offense are trying to that are trying to um, you know know present or, or things like that or what the offense is looking at and or, or what does he see what, what, what can he beat us on things like that so being able to have that knowledge in the back of the room is good.
4: Uh, final preseason game, new quarterback for the Lions, and Vernon Adams. Now, even when you're not on the field, how much are you absorbing just the play when you're watching? Like, just how much you evaluating a preseason game when you're not even playing?
6: Oh man, I'm a sponge of fo- in football. Yeah. Like, um, I'm mentally, I'm mentally always locked in. I know a lot about the game and hist- historically, uh, and I know what's going on around the league. I always try to stay intact with what's going on. I watch all the preseason games. I, I watch them on film also, so I'm always doubting and, and know what's going on. What's the vibe around the group right
4: now? Getting down, final preseason game on thursday getting down week one next week what's the vibe around camp right now
6: man this is a great vibe this is a great organization and anyone that comes into it they they seem to agree and seem to like it and and seem to fit in it's a good organization easy to fit in Uh, as long as you come in and do what you're supposed to do uh the guys are working working very very hard and i mean I feel like we're going to be a pretty good team this year.
5: Trey, all the best. Thank you very much, buddy. Stampeders defensive back Trey Roberson out on that boundary side for the Stampeders, tasked with shutting down the opposition's top weapons. Listed at six foot, a wingspan that looks significantly longer. The Stampeders definitely missed his size when he was injured. Getting him back and healthy could be big for this team, shutting down air attacks all 2023. Offensively, quickly look at some of the position groups. Jake Mayer will be the starting quarterback. Logan Bonner has created some questions as far as the backup goes, him or returnee Tommy Stevens. Some running back group, the same running back group for the Stampeders, pardon me. Kadeem Carey will lead, Dedrick Mills and Peyton Logan will follow. Will Langley and Charlie Power are back at fullback with a couple of draft picks also vying for playing time. At receiver, Reggie Bagleton, Malik Henry and Trey Odom's Dukes looks to be the three American starters. They've also got six solid options for national receivers and only two starting positions. Returning are Luther Hakuna Vanu, Colton Hunchak, and Tyson Middlemost. Arriving with lofty expectations are Cole Tucker, Rice and John, and Clark Barnes. But who will show out Thursday night and get that opening game call? And force the head coach and general manager's hand. On the O-line, some questions, but only because some guys have been a bit banged up. Veteran Derek Dennis had an off day Tuesday. Left guard Zach Williams and center Sean McEwen have been banged up during camp as well. Ryan Sevier and Hugh Thornton look to make up that right side of the line, but Dave Dickinson knows they will have options, whether it's injury or players showing out.
1: I mean, we have enough guys. We've we've got good competition through camp. Um, To me, I guess preseason, you you try to look at the guys uh, that you don't know about, but also understanding that if they play well, they can obviously take a job from the guy that's sitting there in front of them. We we try to be as transparent as possible with our guys, meaning... uh, some guys know yes it's your job to lose other guys it's been yes you're a veteran but it is certainly still free competition and the players know who which spots are are, are those spots and ultimately we got to figure out who's going to make the team by performance not only in this game but in practice
5: and frankly a lot of that last part doesn't only hold for the offensive line it carries across the board Travel day Wednesday, final preseason game, Thursday at 8:30 p.m. You can stream it from the CFL for free. Final cuts are due at 8 p.m. Calgary time Saturday, but fair to wonder if the Stampeders don't announce there's a little ahead of time to give players that extra day to get settled, especially with their week one game at home to the BC Lions a week from Thursday. With your Stampeders report, I'm Matt Rose. Thank you, Matty. Appreciate that as always. Stamps
0: reports coming your way for the rest of the week as we get set for the Stampeders. And the BC Lions, their second preseason game going up on Thursday before they meet up next Thursday for week one of the CFL season uh, at McMahon Stadium, Lions and Stampeders. we got to get out of here. On the other side, very happy to welcome in Matt Marchese from Sportsnet 590, The Fan, in Toronto. More NHL playoff chatting next here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. You're listening to Sportsnet today with Logan Gordon on the home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. All right, we're wrapping up the hour here on Sportsnet today. Here for the Doug Lacey's Basin Systems Downtown Studios. Bit of busy program. The WPCA Insiders Report for you. Stamps report. Chatted about the NHL coaching news today. How it reflects on uh, a Flames candidate that may or may not be off the board now. And, uh, yes, of course, chatting about the now finalized Stanley Cup final that will begin Saturday in Las Vegas with the Golden Knights and the Florida Panthers to talk about that. And, and a couple other things. Uh, we're very happy to go down the Atlas Peach and Sports Bar guest hotline this afternoon. Chat with our pal Matt Marchese from Sportsnet 590, the fan in Toronto. Uh, you know him as a producer and uh, occasional host of the Jeff Merrick Show, uh, Maddie. Thanks for doing this, man. How are you? I'm good, Logo. How are you? We're doing really good, man. Uh, excited for uh, for Saturday. Now we finally got. I got a couple days to wait, which always sucks. But looking forward
3: to Saturday. It was uh, a bit of an anticlimactic finish last night, though. Yeah, you know it's funny. I was I'm watching the game and the way that game started, it was like gangbusters, right? And I'm I'm totally expecting, and this is where. I... I was expecting Dallas to go down in the game and then just turn it on and win and force a game seven, because that's what's happened the previous two games leading up. Mm. And there was a point in which there was like a mad scramble in front of the net. And I was certain that Dallas had scored because it just, it got to, it was like, there's no way that they, they can't score the puck being that close to the goal line. Well, it turns out they didn't. Vegas went down the other way. And that was pretty much the game. And Vegas just really asserted themselves. They really dominated. And it was a, it was kind of what we expected, I guess, Vegas to do after going up 3-0. We expected them to just kind of wrap this thing up and, you know, it's going to be over. And then the series turned. And then you're like, okay, Dallas has got a shot here. But last night, they, they really didn't have a shot. Like, Vegas was... That may have been Vegas's best performance of the entire playoff last night.
0: Quickly on, on Dallas, I, I think a lot of people had pretty high expectations for Jamie Benn coming back into the series after his two-game suspension. Were you disappointed like a lot of people were in what we got out of Jamie Benn last night?
3: Honestly, I was kind of disappointed in in the entire Stars lineup. They had to put Jamie Benn back in, right? He's a captain. He had such a great regular season. Like, there's no way that you you can't put Jamie Benn in the lineup. But you would expect him to assert himself physically. You you expect him to be involved, and he was pretty much invisible, much like a lot of the Stars players were, especially, you know, after 3-0, and... There was just no pushback from Dallas, which is something that I think we all expected was going to happen just because of the way the series had progressed, but we really didn't get a lot of that. And and Jamie Ben was kind of the he was kind of front and center for not answering the call, especially, you know, since basically his his teammates willed themselves to get to a game six so that he could get back into the series. Obviously they wanted to win regardless of Jamie Ben being in the lineup or not. Cause you want to win a Stanley cup, but you felt like there should have been a little bit more from Jamie Ben and, you know, going into next season, that's a big ticket that they're carrying with Jamie Ben curious to see how they, they view this performance, the suspension and what that could mean going forward.
0: And that's, that's exactly where I wanted to take you with you next Maddie. is when you look at this Dallas team, they're not led by the guys that have the highest salaries. That's kind of been the case the last, I don't know, it feels like a year and a bit that the Rupe Hints, Jason Robertson, you know, trio and Heiskanen has kind of taken over in Dallas. Can, can this Dallas Stars team in your mind continue to compete when they've got the kind of salaries that Jamie Benn and Tyler Sagan have when they don't lead the team on on-ice performance to match that sort of salary?
3: it's it's so it is an interesting kind of conundrum because let's face it they're going to they're going to have some decisions to make like rope Hintz's extension kicks in at the beginning of next season uh, jason robertson's ticket has already kicked in and so you have questions about about how you're going to structure this team they have to make some decisions on some unrestricted free agents especially on the back end like there there's lots of questions that are going to be going about. Do I think that you can kind of get away with, with Jamie Ben making as much money as he did? Like, geez, it's, it's really hard. Like, listen, we see it in Toronto where you've got, you know, a guy like John Tavares is probably the perfect example of that. And it's, you know, Jamie Ben's getting older. John Tavares is getting older. These guys, the the play is going to start to diminish. Now, Jamie Ben had a very good regular season. A big bounce back, and I don't think anybody expected that. Tyler Sagan is now fully removed from hip surgery, which really kind of hurt his career. But the question is, how many of these guys can you continue to pay? Can you pay four players over $8 million up front, plus you have Miro Heiskanen on the back end? It's really hard. I, I think, I think they're going to have to look inward, and if there was a deal that they could move, it's probably Jamie Benz, because I, I, if I'm not mistaken, I think Tyler Sagan still has like four years left on yeah, him. Yeah, four more so, years for him. Yeah, so be, so Ben's deal is probably the only one that you would be interested in moving of the two, just because, I mean, that's what you might, you might have to attach less to it to get rid of it.
0: Away from the Dallas Stars, we move on to Saturday, Maddie, and it's the Golden Knights and the Florida Panthers, and I was thinking about this today. Uh, I always love, you know, the question of, Going back to September, and if you had said, you know, this team, Team X and Team Y are in the Stanley Cup final, what would your reaction have been? So I'll ask you just that because I don't think this one's as as crazy as it might have seemed, despite the regular seasons that maybe Florida had. But going back to the beginning of the season, if I were to tell you, Matt Marchese, that it's the Florida Panthers and the Vegas Golden Knights in the Stanley Cup final, do you think what do you think your reaction would have been?
3: Um, I, Florida, I was unsure about at the beginning of the season, just because they made the big trade. And usually when you make the big trade, it doesn't always come to fruition right away. We, you know, Jonathan Huberto is a prime example in Calgary of a guy that was coming off of a career year, changes scenery, and it didn't work out. Now, was that all Jonathan Huberto's fault? No, there are lots of different factors. The coach included in that. If you, I'll take it even one well, let's, let's go with Vegas here. So Vegas last season should have made the playoffs. They were so battered by injuries that it was almost impossible for them to gain any sort of momentum. And they still almost got in and Logan Thompson paid played, played a big part in that. So coming into this season, you look at Vegas and they had uh, Logan Thompson and Bruce Wall was coming off of an injury. They brought in Aiden Hill and, Robin Lehner was out after the shoulder surgery. And then the other issues that came along the way. So at the beginning of the season, you're looking going like, how is Vegas going to manage with their goaltending situation? And it's worked out incredibly well. And a lot of that, you know, credit goes to Sean Burke, who's done a really good job with their goalies. They're on to Aiden Hill. They brought in Jonathan quick at one point after, uh, during the trade deadline and Mm -hmm. like lots of moving parts. But if you had told me, forget even at the beginning of the season, if these two teams had met, if you had told me at the beginning of January that the Florida Panthers would be in the Stanley Cup final, let alone the Stanley Cup final, the Stanley Cup playoffs, I probably would have called you nuts. Because they were, I believe, six or eight points out of a playoff spot January 1st. And there's some rule that somebody made up, which is totally arbitrary, but it usually comes to fruition like 80% of the time. That if you're six points or more out by American Thanksgiving, like 80% of the time, you don't make the playoffs. So now we've stretched it to January 1st, where they're six or eight points out of the playoffs. They can't keep the puck out of their net. They're not getting any goaltending. They can't defend worth a lick. Their power, their penalty kill is awful. And all they do is just get in, get a hot goalie. And now we're here. It is one of the more, I guess, unpredictable predictable Stanley cup finals. I think that have that I've ever seen just because I thought that Florida's pick that Montreal owns from the Ben Chirot trade was going to be a lottery pick the way that they were playing mm-hmm. at, in the middle of the season. And now they're in the cup final just goes to show you how much I know.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Whenever you get caught with those predictions, it always, always comes back to haunt you in one way or another, but uh, I'm curious now, Vegas here from a, a Golden Knights perspective, Matty. Second time in the Stanley Cup final. They lost in 2018 to Alex Ovechkin and Chandler Stevenson, oddly enough. Uh, and now back again, looking to to pick up the first Stanley Cup, obviously, in franchise history. Do we still sort of underestimate what the Golden Knights have been able to do in their six years of, of inception or since inception? Because I feel like we, I mean, maybe in Calgary, it's a little bit easier to appreciate because uh, you know, look. The second round has been the top of the mountain for a lot of times here in the last couple of years. But I just wonder if we don't give them enough credit sometimes for what they're able, to, what they've been able to do in this six years, and how much has changed really since that draft night when they initially became the Vegas Golden Knights.
3: Well, when you look at the the roster turnover that they've had, you know, when we we talk about guys that are are still remaining, we talk about Riley Smith, Jonathan Marcia, so by the way, who were two former Florida Panthers who they let yes. go for essentially nothing. So what a storyline that is. Um, but then we look at, you know, the evolution of William Carlson and, and how he scored 40-plus goals his first year with Vegas. And then, you know, we, haven't, we didn't really hear much from William Carlson after that. And now he's got 10 goals in the playoffs. We talk about, you know, them going out star hunting. And they brought in Alex Petrangelo and they brought in Jack Eichel and that was you know with getting rid of guys like Marc-Andre Fleury, Nate Schmidt, guys who were fan favorites and they're a bit of a cutthroat team like they're they're kind of they're pirates a little bit here and they try and take whatever treasure that they can get however they can get it but you have to give them credit because the the prospect cupboard is is pretty bare they've gone out and made some bold moves and it's paid off aside from last season where they didn't make the playoffs. And again, they probably should have, Oh, I forgot to mention that they went out and traded for Mark stone too. How could I forget? (laughs) Yeah. Um, So they've gone out and they've acquired stars and they have sacrificed future, but they continue to manage this team and they want to win. Like I give bill Foley all the credit in the world. This guy wants to win a Stanley cup. And he said within six years, well, guess what? We're in year six and they are knocking on the door. Again, I think that when we talk about, you know, I'll tell you what's underrated. When we talk about some of the best executives in the game, I don't think that George McPhee gets enough credit for what he's done. He was the GM when at this team's inception. Then they hired Kelly McCrimmon, and he's the general manager now. George McPhee's the president. And both of those guys have continued to build a team that can win year in and year out. They're not really saddled with bad contracts. They go out and make shrewd moves like bringing in Ivan Barbashev at the deadline. who's had a wonderful playoff. They bring in Sean Burke to be the goalie coach who has helped, you know, what is really a ragtag bunch of goaltenders get to the Stanley Cup final. they fought all these injuries in net. They still managed to get there. I, I would say that what they have done is absolutely underappreciated. And I want to say that they are the third team in NHL history to make the uh, third expansion team in NHL history to make the final within the first six years of their existence more than once. And the other teams I think that are in that category are the St. Louis blues who were in the expansion division when expansion happened in, in 67, 68 and the Edmonton Oilers of the, you know, early eighties who had some guy named Gretzky and another guy named Messier and really, Vegas hasn't – they didn't have that until they brought in Petrangelo, brought in Stone, brought in Eichel, and that, that's that been over the course of time. So I think what this organization has done is super impressive. And honestly, I, I really don't think that they get enough credit.
0: We always talk about the NHL being a copycat league, Maddie, And, you know, you're always trying to, to – re- try to – recreate in your own sense, what's made teams successful. Is there any part of this Florida team or this Vegas team, even that you see as something that other GMs can look to, to try to bring into their own? Because, and, and I see that not I know it's playing style and plays into that. And that sort of thing is always important too. But I look at it as, you know, the rare combination of what Vegas was able to create in the expansion draft and how they've used those assets. And on the other side, obviously being in Calgary, know about you know the biggest hockey trade made in the cap era. I don't know how much of what's happened between these two teams in the last 365 days is you know being able to be replicated by GMs across the league, if you know what I mean.
3: Well, I think the key here is, and I'm going to say this, it's kind of half tongue-in-cheek because the Bobrovsky thing is something that nobody could have ever predicted. But what I would say is it's really good to not have bad contracts. The Bobrovsky contract was a bad contract until we got here, basically. And so, but when you look at the forward group, you look at at the defense group for for both teams, they really don't have bad contracts. The Bobrovsky thing is still, I mean, I, I said it earlier. Like if you, it doesn't matter what you pay Sergei Bobrovsky the rest of the way or what you paid him before if he wins the Stanley Cup. So that's fine. But it's kind of hard to replicate anything that these teams have done because in reality you can't like if you're, if you're trying to, if you're trying to replicate the Florida Panthers success and their model, do you look at it and say, Oh, okay. So we're supposed to win the president's trophy. We're supposed to get absolutely greased by our state rivals in the second round, get swept in the second round after winning the president's trophy fire, the Jack Adams winning coach, bring in a a guy who, you know, hasn't been to the final since whenever. And then you trade away your top scorer and your second best defenseman. And you have a goalie that you're relying on to be a $10 million goaltender, even though he hasn't lived up to that. Tell me what of that you can replicate. (laughs) Like there's nothing. No. So, so with, and with Vegas, it's like, Oh, we get to start a team from scratch so that we have no bad contracts. That can't happen either. So, I agree like there's no there's nothing that I look at here and go, yes, you can absolutely replicate this to become a Stanley Cup champion. I, I just think that it's it's impossible with the way that these teams are built to, to try and really make sense of it. They're just two teams that are playing well at the right time. I mean, more so Florida because Vegas has been good all year, but systematically they've they become two responsible defensive teams. Bruce Cassidy's turned Jack Eichel into a really good two-way center. Like, I don't know. There's no real recipe for success that you can look at and go, yes, that is exactly what I need to build a championship contender. You got to have really good players, and you got to play well at the right time. And I will take that to my grave, especially after watching these playoffs <laughs> with what Florida's done.
0: Okay, time for one more, Matty, and you you know this one was coming. Uh, as Matt Marchese looks ahead to Saturday, uh, where does he lean in this year's Stanley Cup final? Is he favoring Vegas or is he favoring Florida?
3: So, part of me wants to say that I'm favoring the Florida Panthers, so I can hear all the ridiculously fans go, "Oh, you know, we <laughs> lost to we lost to Florida, and they and they went to the Stanley Cup final and they won." No, that's that is so ridiculous. Uh, but it is funny. Um, I I there's a lot of people on both sides that I like, and that's going to sound like a real cop-out answer because there are people that I've been dealing with in this business for a while that I'm really rooting for. But from a standpoint of, I want as much chaos as humanly possible, I think we need the Florida Panthers to win this. I really do, because I also believe that if the Florida Panthers win, that it pushes Matthew Kachuk closer and closer to becoming the face of the NHL. No disrespect, Connor McDavid but it's something that I never thought would happen going from Calgary to Florida. Like if he went to the Rangers or if he went to LA and then he became the face of the franchise, that would, or the, the NHL, that would make sense to me. Cause he's in a big market and not that like Miami area is not a big market, but it's not a big hockey market. And I think that Matthew Kachuk's effect would be, would be great for the sport, him appearing on the NBA on TNT panel, all that kind of stuff. Like I think Matthew Kachuk winning a Stanley cup is absolutely great for this sport. And it's the shot in the arm that this sport may need.
0: I'm looking forward to it. I know for some people, it's not the most intriguing Stanley cup final, but I don't know, Maddie, I'm excited. One team's going to win their first cup. I think there's plenty of fun storylines, uh, I'm looking forward to Saturday. Uh, I always appreciate you jumping on with us. Thank you uh, again for doing it today, and I can't wait to do it again with you sometime soon. Hey,
3: sounds good, man. Anytime you need me, you just give me a call.
0: We'll do. Appreciate it, Maddie. Maddie Marchese joining us down the Atlas Beach and Sports Bar guest hotline this afternoon, chatting all things NHL playoffs. The Stanley Cup Finals are set for Saturday night in Las Vegas. Someone's winning their first Cup. It's the Florida Panthers. And the Vegas Golden Knights. We gotta get out of here. Uh, we gotta make room for hockey central nine sixties coming up with the only one and only Haley Salvin. You don't want to miss it. She's got a great show planned for you. Uh hockey PDO cast this afternoon, flames talk with Pat Steinberg, and then we'll take you out to the Jays and the Milwaukee Brewers five o'clock first pitch for the Jays. Musa say Kikuchi getting a start for Toronto. Thank you for uh joining us today on the WPCA Insider Report. Thanks to Maddie Rose for the stamps report. Thank you to Matt for joining us a little bit earlier as well. Reminder, you can catch the show wherever you get your favorite podcast, Google, Amazon, Spotify. We'll be back tomorrow. Same time, same place. Thanks to my outstanding producers, Cam and Taylor, back tomorrow here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan.